141. Psalm 141. Let's turn there. And uh, we want to talk tonight about watching our mouth. Watching our mouth. Watching our mouth. Now, uh, Psalm 141, verse 3. The psalmist here asks the Lord to set a guard or to set a watch. Set a guard or a watch over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. And this is something that I think all of us ought to do, is to ask the Lord to set a watch or set a guard over our mouths. And He'll do that. Now, He won't do that if you don't ask Him to. But if you'll... uh, Because He's a gentleman... And he won't push himself off on anybody. And uh, so ask him to set a guard or a watch over your mouth. Um, You know, words that we speak uh, are very powerful. Uh, You ever heard the saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Uh, But you know what? That's not true. Words will hurt us. They really will. I said words are very, very powerful. They carry a whole lot of weight. Now, we're talking about a guard here on our mouth asking the Lord to do something. But you know, we need to cooperate with Him. Uh, Look at Proverbs 21.23. Proverbs 21, 23. There's, I think too oft times we just want the Lord to do everything. And remember, he, we, we have to do what we can do. He does what we can't do. So he'll help us if we'll put a guard, ask him to put a guard on our mouth. He'll help us. He'll do that. And he'll do his part. But notice here in Proverbs 21, 23, says whoever guards his mouth. Well, here it looks like we have to do something. So you have to put those two scriptures together. You ask the Lord to set a guard or a watch on your mouth. And then you need to make a concentrated effort to guard your mouth, set a watch on your mouth as well. And uh, the Lord will help you, but you have to cooperate. Whoever guards his mouth and tongue... Keeps his soul from troubles. How many of you have learned through experience that your words, if if you speak the wrong words, it can cause a lot of trouble. It can cause a whole lot of trouble. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You know, I tell you what, words, I've seen people take words and hurt other people with those words far more so than you could have ever hurt that person with sticks and stones. Did did you hear me? I've watched this over the years. You know, if somebody hits somebody else and bruises them, that bruise will heal. And I'm not saying you ought to hit anybody. I'm just saying the bruise will heal, but you can wound somebody's spirit, wound their heart. To the point that, you know, well, we'll say more about that in a minute. Uh, Notice 
Proverbs 18, I'm sorry, yeah, Proverbs 18:21. Notice Proverbs 18:21 says death and life are in the power of the tongue. And most of you are familiar with that scripture. And so your words can produce life or your words can produce death. Right? We ask the Lord to set a guard. Is that all we have to do or do we have to cooperate? We have to cooperate. And guard, you know. And it's so important because the words that we speak can produce life or they can produce death. You hear me? Very, very vital subject here tonight. Now, notice in Matthew, the 12th chapter and the 33rd verse, Matthew 12, 33, Jesus says, either make the tree good and its fruit good or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad for a tree is known by its fruit. Well, that's true, isn't it? Tree is known by its fruit. You see apples hanging on a tree, it's an apple tree. If you see oranges hanging on it, it's an orange tree, right? Brood of vipers, Jesus is speaking. He says, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Well, if you want to know what's in somebody's heart, all you need to do is listen to their words. Right? Because whatever is inside of them in abundance is going to eventually come out of their mouth. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. Then now look at verse 36. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. Now now that's very sobering. Every idle word men may speak. Jesus is saying this. They will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you'll be justified. By your words you will be condemned. By your words you'll be justified. By your words you'll be condemned. Now before I I say more about verse 37, let's look at verse 36 in the Amplified Bible. Look at verse 36 in the Amplified Bible. But I tell you, on the day of judgment, this is Jesus speaking, men, including women, will have to give account for every idle, inoperative, non-working word they speak. Very sobering, isn't it? Now, verse 37 says, and this is in the New King James, for your, by your words you'll be justified, by your words will be con- you'll be condemned. Um, one thing that, that I've learned about the Lord and walking with Him these many years is that very oftentimes He'll deal, he, now He'll always deal with you according to His word. You know, he never steps outside the bounds of his word. You understand that? But I've watched the Lord. He'll, I've watched him do this. He'll deal with people very oft times. In other words, let's put it this way. 
he'll judge you oft times in situations by the words of your own mouth. I'll put it another way. If somebody else falls into a, does something they shouldn't do, and you speak judgmentally against them, then when you get into a situation, that's how the Lord is going to deal with you. Did you get what I just said? I said, did you get what I just said? Did you really get a hold of that, grab a hold of that? That's why we always want to be gracious, right? We want to always be gracious. And uh, because, you know, eventually all of us will miss it in one way or another, won't we? How many of, how many of us want to be dealt with graciously by God? And we ought to deal graciously with people. Judge not and you'll be not judged. Right? Okay. You all right? Okay. Very, very sobering. Now, in Mark eleven twenty three. In Mark eleven twenty three. For assuredly I say to you. Whoever says to this mountain be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that those things he says will be done, he'll have whatever he says. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? He'll have whatever he says. He'll have whatever he says. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart but believes that those things he says will be done he will have whatever he says. We're just talking about the power of words here tonight. And you know, I could, t- right now, I could take, you know, a couple hours and talk to you about the importance of speaking faith filled words and speak life, not death. You know, if you study Jesus, he didn't speak death, did he? Remember there with uh, Lazarus, his disciples said, Lazarus is dead and so on. And Jesus said, he's sleeping. Remember that? And and they just just pestered him to the point. Finally, he said plainly, so you can read it. He said plainly, says, Lazarus is dead. But, But Jesus didn't speak doubt and unbelief. He didn't speak death. He spoke life. Much we could say about that. And we put so much emphasis on speaking faith filled words, which we need to do, and speaking life, which we need to do. But as it pertains to words, I think a lot of times we, we, might center so much on faith-filled words, which we need to speak faith-filled words, speaking life, which we need to speak life, not death. But I think that sometimes we don't think as much as we should or give as much attention as we should to the other side of this subject of words. And notice in Luke 4.22, Luke 4.22 Notice, says of Jesus, now I really want you to really pay close attention to this now. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. Now, what I'm trying to say here is that we, you know, we talk about faith-filled words and we should speak faith-filled words. We talk about words of life and not death. And all that's important. But I think that sometimes maybe... 
we preachers, maybe I have been guilty of centering so much in on, you know, talking about, you know, speaking to the mountain and in and, and faith and all that. We need to do that. But you know what? All of our vocabulary, all of our words, all of our words that we speak ought to be gracious words. Did you get what I just said? You're not misunderstanding what I'm saying here. You know, we, we say, be healed. You know, with long life, he'll satisfy me. We need to do that. But what about telling a lie? We shouldn't tell a lie. Should we? Are you getting what I'm saying here? I mean, I've seen a lot of people will, 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 will say, by Jesus' stripes, I'm healed. And then they'll turn right around and go out and talk bad about somebody. Did you hear me? Now, did you hear what I just said? Did you get that? And so we, 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 we uh, let's put it this way. I've already seen it where a group of people will be sitting around a, a table and, and somebody will say, boy, I sure, you know, I, I sure feel, I sure feel sick. And somebody will correct them right away and say, you just spoke out of line with the word of God. You shouldn't, you shouldn't say you're sick. You should say, by Jesus stripes, I'm healed. But then just within a few minutes, that same person will start talking bad about that just said, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sick. They'll turn and the guy corrects them. They'll turn right around and they'll start talking bad about somebody. But that person that just corrected them about speaking sickness and disease doesn't say anything about they just talked bad about someone. Did, did you get what I just said here? How many, how many get what I... You get what I'm saying? I mean, I, I've, already, I've already watched it. I've already seen people that you'd have to just literally beat them to get them to say they were sick. But, with, but they'll turn right around and talk bad about somebody and gossip. Now, what I'm trying to get at here, and what I'm tr- I'll summarize what I've been trying to say in the last couple of minutes is, you know, if, if all we're doing is, is, you know, refusing to speak sickness and disease and, and, and we're speaking prosperity scriptures and we're doing all that, but we're turning right around and lying and talking bad about people, what good is it? Because, you see, we're trying to operate in faith over here but yet, over here, we're not walking in love. Huh? And faith works by love. You get what I'm saying? Gracious words. Our words need to be gracious. Yes, we need to speak faith-filled words. Yes, we need to declare healing. Yes, we need to declare prosperity. But at the same time, we need to, you know, be truthful and speak good about people and all of that. Let's do them both. Real loud with everything and you say, let's do them both. both. One more time. Let's do them both. both. Why can't we do them both? We need to do them both. Look at Ephesians 4.25. Let's look look at that. Ephesians 4.25. Ephesians 4.25. So I could preach you a sermon about, you know, 
you know, you know, not speaking sickness or disease and all that, and that's good. We need, we, we need to not speak sickness and disease. We need to speak health and healing and all of that. But along with that, we need to speak gracious words as well. Look at Ephesians 4.25. Uh, and by the way, my wife has a whole lot of, of good word uh, scriptures back on the table back there on the information table. You can get a copy when you leave today on, on, on scriptures that have to do with our mouth and words. Just wanted to mention that. But notice this, Ephesians 4.25. Therefore, putting away what? Lying. Let each one of you speak truth. With his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Much we could say about that. Nor give place to the devil. I believe we can give place to the devil by the words we speak. You, You understand that? Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Now look at verse 29. Let no corrupt word. I think the King James says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary edification. Now that's a test right there. That's a test right there. That right there is before you say anything, you need to ask yourself. Remember we talked about the guard on your mouth? We asked the Lord to put a guard on our mouth, but then we've got to cooperate with Him. And I've been doing this now long enough to the point that if I go to speak doubt and unbelief, I can feel the Lord. There's a guard on my mouth. But now I have to work with him. But not only that, when I go to... How many has ever been tempted to talk bad about somebody? Huh? When you go to talk bad about somebody or gossip or something like that, that same guard is there. I said that same guard is there. That same guard is there. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good for edifying. Here's the test. When you say anything out of your mouth, is it going to build up? The word edification means to build up. Is it going to build up or is it going to tear down? And if it's going to tear down, you need to let that guard go to work and don't say it. Did you hear me? Don't say it. If it's going to tear down, don't say it. If it's going to tear down, don't say it. Only speak things that are going to build people up. Now, now watch this. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good for necessary edification, that it may impart what to the hearers? Grace. Grace. Did Jesus speak gracious words? See, our words ought to be imparting grace to the hearers. If our words are not, if the words we speak are not imparting grace to the hearers, we need to change our words. This is very so serious, very serious. We're we're coming we're we're coming down on the home stretch, dear friends. There's not a whole lot of time left. I said there's not a whole lot of time left. There's just another earth, earthquake today or yesterday, right? China, huh? 
I mean, it's happening almost, almost every couple of days. Jesus said that would be one of the signs as the beginning of sorrows. I'm not, I, I believe we have some time, but I, there's, not, there's, there's not a whole lot of time left. You understand? The Lord's coming. We, I want my words to be full of grace. How about you? Full of grace, imparting grace. Don't grieve. The next verse says, verse 30, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. You know, when we speak words, when we speak negatively about people, when we tear people down with our words, it grieves the Holy Spirit. That's why, well, we'll get to that in a minute. By whom you were sealed for the day of redemption, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking Look at that evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Look at Ephesians 4.14. Let's look, look right here at Ephesians 4.14. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth how? In Love may grow up in all things unto him who is the head Christ. You know, when I, when I say, and I just read the Bible, the Bible says we ought to speak things that what? Build up, not tear down. And then again, you'll have folks say, well, you know, particularly when it comes to husbands and wives. Well, can't I ever, you know... My husband's doing something and it's driving me nuts. Or my wife is doing something and it's driving me nuts. Can I ever tell him the truth of how I feel? Yes. But you do it how? In love. Have you ever had somebody say something to you and you knew it was the truth? You knew it was the truth and what they said didn't bother you, but it was the way they said it. Huh? Huh? See, and that's when he says, in love. We, we need to speak the truth. We just need to do it in love. Okay? Did you hear me? I said, did you hear me? Speak the truth how? In love. Very oftentimes, I've seen couples, I mean, they have knocked down, drag out, fight. And when you get right down to it, it wasn't what one of them said. It was... How they said it. You know, there's a right way and a wrong way to say stuff. You understand? How many you've ever said something to somebody and you know it was the truth, but after you said it, they got real mad at you and you talk with them and you get right down to it and they'll even tell you it wasn't what you said, it was the way you said it. Really what we're talking about here is tact, you know. You know, we ought to be tactful and... Our speech, you know? Like if somebody's wearing a crazy piece of clothing and you think it's the ugliest thing in the world and they come up to you and they ask you, what do you think of my piece of clothing? Well, you don't want to lie. You don't have to tell them it's the ugliest thing you've ever seen. You might say, well, it's a very interesting piece of clothing. Huh? Well, 
Well, there's, there's ways we can still tell the truth but not hurt people, right? We need to tell the truth, you know. We just need to do it in love. Look at Colossians 4, 6. Colossians 4, 6. I'll give you a moment to turn there. Let your speech, let your speech occasionally or always, always be with what? Grace. Always. Did the Bible say always? Always. And then it says seasoned with salt. That's just another way of saying we speak the truth in love. You know, one of the worst things you can do for people very oftentimes is tell them just what they want to hear. The Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend. If you're really somebody's friend, you're going to tell them the truth. But you should do it gracefully, right? Words are so important. Are we going to stand judgment for our words? Yes. James 3, 2. Let's go there. James 3, 2 says, We all stumble in many things. So James is saying here, the Holy Spirit through James. He says he was a pastor of a church. He pastored a church there in Jerusalem. The Lord's half-brother. We all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect or we could say mature man or person. Able also to bridle the whole body. That's a very powerful verse. How do we control our bodies We start by controlling our words. Indeed, we put bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Think about that. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest A little fire kindles. The worst forest fire you'll ever see didn't start out that way, did it? It started out with a little spark, right? Huh? Little things. You know, I'm impressed to say it, you know, in relationships, very oft times when relationships get rough and rocky... They don't start out that way. Usually, it's the little things. And one little thing there here, one little thing there, one little thing here, one little thing there. And little things add up to big things, don't they? Doesn't the Bible say it's the little foxes that spoil the vine? It's the little things. We might think of words as just little things, but they carry an awful lot of weight, don't they? says, the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. 
It's, it's so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. Do you ever think of that? That's why we need the Lord's help. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. We need Him to... We, and, and I'm telling you, He won't do it if you don't ask Him because He's a gentleman. We need to ask Him to set a watch over our mouth. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Well, in the tongue is the power of what? Life and death. Now watch verse 9. With it, with it, with what? With our tongue. We bless our God and Father and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude or in the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. That is so powerful right there. We'll come to church and bless God, but we'll walk outside the door of the church and go home or to the restaurant or wherever it may be and we'll curse men, talk bad about folk. And the Holy Spirit through James says, these things ought not to be so. I've seen it already where, where couples will come to church and they'll both stand there and bless the Lord and they'll go home and fight like cats and dogs. These things ought not to be so. I've heard people speak words of faith and power but then turn around within the same hour and go out and talk badly about a fellow brother or sister or minister. My dear brethren, these things ought not to be so. The time is short. There's not a whole lot of time left. We're going to be before the judgment seat of Christ before we know it. And I have a, I have a, a responsibility as a pastor to warn you, you know, we need to be watchful of our words. Because the fire of God is going to judge all of us at one point. And it would be a whole lot better to listen to this now and get ourselves in line with it than to have to stand and, 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 and have Him deal with us with the fire. Did you hear me? Are you with me? Uh, actually, before I close the message, I, I just want to call your attention back again to where he said uh, that we should no longer be children. But we need to speak the truth in love. You know, I've learned this. I've learned this. I've watched this over the many years, pastoring 15 years now and then before that, that, that when, when people don't have their tongue under control, it's a sign of spiritual immaturity. Did you hear me? And, and the thing that's so uh, deceptive that you've got to be watchful about in this talking about spiritual growth is that people can appear to be more spiritually mature than they really are. Just because somebody knows a lot about the Bible doesn't mean necessarily that they're spiritually mature. Now, did you hear me? 
And it's real easy to be deceived. I've already seen... I've already seen people that, that they, the Christians, they didn't know as much about the Bible as this person over here. But when I'm listening to this person who doesn't know as much about the Bible, I, I never see, hear them talking badly about anybody. I see them being loyal and faithful. Yet I see this person that has a lot of knowledge about the Bible backbiting and talking bad and tearing down. Well, I'll tell you what, it's real easy. This person over here, though, though they don't know as much about the Bible, they are more spiritually mature than over here. Did, did you get that? Something else I've learned is that, that people that engage in backbiting and people that engage in, 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 in talking badly about folk, people that engage in sitting and listening to that, those, those, those words, people that do that and practice that and, and, and will listen to that stuff and don't put a stop to it, almost without exception, they're baby Christians. Yeah, but they've been saved. They've been saved. They're still baby Christians. Are they going to heaven? Oh, yeah, but they're still baby Christians. Mature Christians have their mouths under control. Mature Christians don't talk bad about folk. You see? You okay? Mature Christians don't gossip. Mature Christians don't listen to gossip. Or once it starts... You know, sometimes you can't help but hear it for a few moments. But if you're mature, you're going to what? You're going to stop it. Huh? Are you okay? Are you all right? These are important matters, important issues. With our tongue we bless God, and with that same tongue we curse men. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. These things ought not so to be. These things ought not so to be. Amen? Proverbs 12, 18. We'll look up three more scriptures and then we'll close. We'll be done. You getting anything out of this tonight? Is this helpful? These midweek services are important, you know it? They're, they're, they're important. You, you know, they really are. I realize that a lot of folk work, you know, and, and it, it takes, a, it takes a, a commitment to come on Wednesday nights. But I tell you what, spiritually, good things are happening. Any time sown after, after the Spirit is not wasted time. And actually what people don't realize is just by making a commitment to come sit under the Word of God, it'll energize you. It'll energize you. Did you hear me? I said it'll, it'll energize you. Praise God. Um, now Proverbs twelve eighteen NIV says, reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Reckless words pierce like the sword. We need to watch our words, don't we? How many has ever spoke reckless words besides me? That's why, I was going to say this a while ago, but that's why whenever you get into a disagreement with somebody, particularly husbands and wives, and we tell, we tell people this, we tell husbands and wives this, that whenever you have a disagreement with your spouse, if, if, there, if there's a lot of anger, heated, heated emotion and anger, you need to go to your neutral corners until you cool off. Because you're, when you speak in anger, your words can be reckless, and you'll say things 
that you don't really mean and you'll say things that'll wound your spouse as bad or worse than if you'd have hit them physically because the bruise will heal. I'm not saying you should hit anybody. I'm not condoning that. But I'm just saying that those verbal wounds can be just as devastating. Did you hear me? Can be just as devastating and, and, and more so. There's, there's a few things that I have said to my wife in anger that I wish I had never said. I mean, I have to stand up here and reveal these things to you because I'm a minister. I would never say something that would hurt my wife. Yes, I have. And I'm sorry for that. Over the, I'm, I'm, I'm talking, you know, over the years. How many's ever said something that they wish they hadn't said? Hmm? And uh, I can honestly say, though, my wife, she's... She has never said anything to me that uh, she's never... I mean, she's thrown a grapefruit at me. <laughs> but I had it coming. I said I had it coming. And she threw a, a, a McDonald's cup of ice water at me once. Both time I ducked. I'm a good ducker. <laughs> I had it coming on both occasions, though. My wife is just, she, she, she is, she's wonderful. If, if, if you can't, any fella that can't make it with her just is, isn't too good of a fella because she's, she's really wonderful. She's very mature, very mature. She's an example. She's been an example to me. Um, she's helped me grow up spiritually. I can honestly say that I got a wife that has brought out the best in me. But... Uh, but reckless words, we need to be watchful of them. Can you say amen? amen? Let's watch our words. You can say things that, 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 that you're going to regret for the rest of your life. And, and it's interesting, once, have you ever said something and as the words are coming out of your mouth, you're trying to... Huh? Huh? How many's ever... Huh? It's like one person told me one time that... This is really good. I like what he told me. I was younger and I was running off at the mouth. And he said, he said, Terry, he, he said, all, he said, it seems like you just open your mouth and change feet. <laughs> you know what I mean by that? You ever put your foot in the mouth? And he, and he said, no. I said, yeah, I put my foot in my mouth that time. He said, no, you just opened your mouth and changed feet. I've had to learn. I've had to work on this. And you know, I'm like Paul. I still haven't arrived, but I'm headed that way. How about you? Amen? Look at this. Proverbs 15.1. Proverbs 15.1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Boy, there's, that's a wonderful... They're all great scriptures, but that's a wonderful scripture. I've already had people over the years, you know, I've had parents when I was teaching school, I'd give their child a detention. I had this one guy, he came in and got right up in my face and he's screaming and yelling and going on. And I just spoke a gracious word to him and he didn't know what to do with it. He was expecting that I was going to lash back at him. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. A soft answer, turn away wrath. Actually, in that, that case, he was a big truck driver. I could have got beat up pretty bad. I'm glad I knew that scripture on that one. I, soft answer. 
And then Proverbs 15.4 says, A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. Proverbs 15.4, A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Have you ever had your spirit broken with words spoken negatively against you? Anybody besides me? Yeah. You know, it's interesting with these words that are spoken against us. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, perverse, but, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Uh, I've already watched people be told things when they were kids that they'd never amount to anything or that they were ugly. I've already seen it where parents have told their daughters. Uh, the dad especially would tell his daughter when she was, you know, 8, 9, 10 years old she was ugly, would never amount to anything. And, uh, uh, and that would hinder that girl the rest of her life. Did you hear me? Uh, words that are spoken uh, can hinder us. Did you hear me? Can hinder us. Can hinder us. I said they can hinder us. I've had... I, I remember... Uh, and, and I'm done. I just want to be sure I get everything the Holy Spirit wants. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Um, but uh, just the other day, uh, I, I've been doing some bowling. To just to, you, know, you, you can't just study and pray all the time. You've got to have a little recreation. And I was doing some bowling the other day, practicing up, trying so I can beat Ray. When I was a kid, I had this lady tell me, said, you have no talent at bowling whatsoever. You'll never, you'll never, you'll never, you'll never be a, a, even a decent bowler, much less a good bowler. And you know, I still, that, that happened when I was about 13 years old, and just now I'm 46, standing on the bowling alley just the other day, those words went ringing through my head. And it's hindered me. Well, you know what? We just need to command some words to fall to the ground and be of no effect. Because, you know, bowling is one thing. That's not that important. But there's folks probably in here and listening. You know that this CD, I say this as humbly as I know how, but this CD, these, these messages, they've been listened to all over the world. So I don't know who's listening by CD on the Internet. Uh, you know, bowling's one thing. That's not that important. But, you know, maybe somebody told you that you were never going to amount to anything. Maybe somebody told you that, that you would never uh, be prosperous. Maybe somebody told you that you'd never be well. Maybe somebody told you that you'd never have a successful marriage. Maybe somebody told you something negative. Well, it's time we command those words to fall to the ground and be of no effect. Amen? Praise God. We're going to do that. Let's receive the tithes and the offerings, and then we'll stand and we'll do that and be